Wood was up and welcome to another vision across the pitch on South Dave Miller and yeah, Mike Brera. Um, obviously, we've got lots and lots to dive into. Obviously, the Union are literally just a couple of days off there for striking loss in Minnesota, which we'll dive into in a little bit, which obviously me and Mike were both pretty pissed off uh, during the game and after the game. We'll look at Jim Curtin's press conference today because it's been a relatively quiet week in general, even before the Minnesota game, not much had happened. And then, obviously, the huge game, probably the biggest game of the season in terms of the MLS, obviously. You'd probably say the CONCACAF Champions League goes above everything else but um obviously probably the biggest game of the season so far for the union in the mls which could have huge ramifications in terms of what where they are in the playoffs what they could do so obviously we'll go into that and sort of uh you know just speak about just how big of a game it is obviously obviously mike it's been i think our last show was last saturday after the game wasn't it yeah, I think so. It feels like it's been yeah. a while since we've done a show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we run so a couple we're... minutes late today, late, but we want to get right into it. Talk uh, oh, yeah. talk what was probably one of the most stressful losses of the season. Uh, probably one of the most frustrating for sure. And, yeah. um, and, and I mean, I, honestly, at this point, we had to just kind of close the door on it. It happened. It sucked. Let's move forward and, and move on to the next one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. But, yeah, I mean, Obviously, I was going to say, as you said, obviously, you've got to move on and look towards the next one. I think, I don't know if it's worth doing things in chronological order. We look at Minnesota, then we look at Jim's press conference, because I sort of feel like we'll be sort of, I think we'll start off with uh, the game on Wednesday night. I think that's probably the perfect place to go. Obviously, the Union went to Minnesota. Yep. Lost 3 2. Well, goal down. Went 2 1 up. And I'll tell you what, I won't lie to you. I don't think Minnesota really did anything to cause the Union any issues. Bar no. three mistakes. It's like the Union, that's one of the more comfortable road games the Union have had all season. And for them to be undone by three mistakes, I think the third one is just poor uh, communication. I think yeah. either Glesnes has got to say it's mine or, you know, Kai's just got to go in. And obviously, Kai's got to tell him it's his. I, don't, I think they both go for the ball. I think you can probably, that's probably the least, that's probably, um, when you look at it in game, it's probably the most frustrating one. But I think when you then take a step back and look at the situation, it's probably the least frustrating goal of the three. But I mean, like, just uh, to go into that game and obviously everyone knew how huge the ramifications of that game were. If they were to win, they pretty much all but, all but lock up the playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So even if they lost to Nashville, the sort of the pressure's off in a sense. You're going to get third, fourth, or fifth seed anyway, but um, you know it was it was just such a frustrating way to lose the game. Well, you think you think about it this way from the point standpoint. Um, so Nashville and Columbus tied this on the same night. So if they had if the Union had pulled out the win, they would have at least climbed two points closer to them than they are now. So yeah. currently, there are three points behind them because of the win totals. If the Union win on Saturday night they do claim second place in the Eastern Conference. But just imagine how much easier it would have been if you had at least uh, if, if you had at least gone into Saturday night knowing, well, even if I don't win this match and we just draw, I'm still within striking distance of yeah. Nashville. Um, but now you have three games left. You have uh, Nashville, Toronto, and Cincinnati. And, and NYCFC, it, isn't it? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. And NYCFC, right. So four matches left. Um and it, it's just far more stressful than it has to be, especially yeah. with that last game likely being something that you may lose, considering you're going to New York City for that one. Yeah. Okay. So it, 
Yeah, it, it's it's and right here. Eric, one of our frequent fo- uh, followers, says, you know, frustrating is an understatement. The union love to make it difficult every time around this year. Saturday is a must win. I think you're absolutely right. If you oh, want yeah. to, if you want to be a contender and say to the other teams in the league, you know, I am a force to be reckoned with. You need to win at home against Nashville, which is very difficult because oh, yeah. they just don't lose very often, um, to say the least. Uh, but I mean. Regardless, we had a press conference today, Dave. You were able to, to sit on it. What was the uh, the recap of um, the, the press conference? Um, I think all in all, again, Jim is seemed very, very keen to skip not, not skip past the Minnesota game, but just to move on and look yeah. ahead to the bigger picture, which is obviously Saturday. Obviously, he came into it and he just sort of said, like, again, they've got to put it behind them and got to put things right, essentially. I think it's going to be up to the same players that cost them the mistakes, because being realistic, all three players that made the mistakes are players that are going to start. So I think, again, it's up to Jim for them to essentially tell these guys, look, you guys mess things up. You guys go out and rectify it and help us get three points in the huge game against Nashville on Saturday. And obviously, the, I think the bigger news within all, obviously the press conference, a lot was said. But, um, what's it called? But for... Jim to come out and say, obviously, Andre Blake didn't look 110%. Obviously, yeah. I think that was quite evident for everyone to see. Jim's he didn't take come... any goal kicks, I think. I think he might take him no. one goal kick the entire night. I think, I think what's it called? Um, he's going to be 100% according to Jim. He should be 100% fit. And Sergio Santos will be back in the matchday squad. Yep. But Jim's obviously, you know how Jim's a bit playful, saying like he's going to keep, keep, the, uh, ace, keep the ace up his sleeve just to see what keep uh, Nashville on their toes as to whether he starts the game or not. Uh, regarding Corey Burke, he's still out for this week, but they're hoping, fingers crossed, they can get him back for next week for the final sort of run-in of the season, heading into the playoffs. So at least he's going to get some match minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think obviously on the injury front, I think that's probably the best thing you could hope for, really, to have those three guys, well, to obviously have Andre 100%, yeah. Sergio back available, to have Corey Burke essentially guaranteed minutes if obviously if Jim plays him heading well, into the playoffs. There's there's a couple issues here. So for well for one, some good news for Nashville. If I remember correct if I remember correctly, excuse me, um uh Hanny Mukhtar is is gonna be suspended for this match with yellow card yeah, simulation. Yeah. So that is it yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. So that that's a huge thing for the union right there. Second and I'm gonna go back to the union schedule real quick, so bear with me one second. We've heard from Jim Curtin before in the press conference that Sergio's health, especially when it's three matches within a week, becomes an, a significant issue, which is the reason why you saw him taken out of the one match. Uh, what was it? Was it an away match somewhere a, a couple was weeks it? ago? Sergio got taken out instead of Casper, and the big question was why is he getting taken out of the match? And Jim yeah. said in the press conference it's because of his health concerns. So you look at the schedule. You have Saturday. Uh, the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. against Nashville. Then you have Wednesday, the 27th, at Toronto. Then you have Sunday, the 31st, in Philadelphia for Cincinnati. So you have one, two, three, three matches within eight calendar days. And then you have the November 7th game a week later. So you do get a week break. But you have to assume if Santos plays this Saturday, he's likely going to get limited minutes in either Cincinnati or in Toronto. Because yeah. as Jim mentioned, for one, he's coming off injury. Two, he his body and his and his line of his his historical line of work with his body means that he's probably going to get hurt again if they overwork him. So you may not see a lot of Sergio 
besides Nashville Not until yet. NYCFC, which I think they need him more than anything in that match. Um, I think then, obviously, yeah, I was going to pipe in. Also, I think the NYCFC match could actually mean nothing. I mean, on the basis of things, if the Union can win the next three games, they should. I mean, they could have the second place, second seed locked up. Or they should have at least a playoff seed locked up to the point where it's sort of like we can only come third or fourth, which is sort of a toss up. It doesn't really matter. But I think, I think again, I think obviously, well, we're all looking at second place. We have to come second. But let's not forget, MICFC are only five points behind <coughs> with four games to go. So I mean, if the Union go into this game and lose, they lose in Toronto. MICFC get four points from the next two games. Then it's sort of like squeaky bum time because their run-ins are a lot fav- more favourable. Um, then the unions really, I think. Obviously, they play into Miami on the road, which is probably the equivalent of going to Toronto. They host I was Chicago. Say, yeah, it's about the same. Mm-hmm. So host Chicago again, it's the same. And I think obviously the DC United game at home for them is probably a lot easier in comparison to having to host a gritty team like Nashville, who don't concede goals and don't really lose games. No, Nashville doesn't lose games. And if I'm looking at the table right now, okay. they are currently 11, 16, and three. They have 16 draws under the belt. Yeah. Which is just absurd. The next closest draw total is actually the Union in Orlando and Atlanta with 10 draws. Yeah. And across even the other conference, the next highest draw total is 12 from Houston. So yeah. they just don't lose. I know their keeper, no. um, and his name is escaping me right now. Uh, he, he, I know he's uh, his, he's up there in terms of uh, clean sheets on the year, which makes sense considering how many times they've at least drawn. Maybe 0-0 zero, zero draws uh, are a factor there for that total for him. But this weekend, I can see Nashville just kind of staying back and, and crowding the box and preventing the Union from doing any sort of damage, which we saw a little bit against Minnesota. As soon as the red card came, you know, Minnesota just backed up and made it very difficult for the Union yeah. to score. So that's my biggest concern is that they don't they don't try to win. They just try to leave Philadelphia with a draw. Yeah, um, and I think, again, as you said, that's something that the Union have struggled with all year when they've yeah. had to, you know, they've had to come up big and they've had to take control of a game. They haven't been able to do so. Obviously, we saw it against Chicago and they played against 10 men. Couldn't break them down. Montreal, they couldn't break them down until late on and were lucky to probably get a point. Do you know what I mean? These are the sort of games that the Union at home especially have struggled in. Um, obviously, it was a fresh, um, obviously, I want to go back to the Minnesota game. Obviously, we haven't really been able to dive into it. Yeah, let's, but, I mean, let's discuss it, yeah. I think, as you said, obviously, it links into, as you mentioned, like, Nashville are going to be a team that are going to come into Philadelphia. They're going to sit. They're going to crowd the box. They're going to hit the Union on the counter-attack, or they're going to show little little attacking intent. And that was sort of what the Union had to face against uh, Minnesota, on, obviously, with the final 10, 15 minutes against 10 men. And, honestly, that was probably the worst the Union played in a tackle game. They didn't, have a sh- didn't actually f- have a shot where the goalkeeper actually... Um, had to make a save in those last 10-15 minutes. The keeper didn't have to make a save. I think they had, I think the only shot really at goal was Kai's one that got blocked and sort of ricocheted around. That was the only shot they had. And I yeah. think again it was just I think Ga- I know Gazdag had a header opportunity for his third goal, but it ended up going a little yeah. too far to left. And Eric Eric makes a point where they were they were a bit more aggressive offensively, but he's right, they just couldn't finish. And what you hope with when you have a man advantage is that you do get to finish. And that's yeah. you know, if you're gonna have that energy when you're up a man or when the defense is parked, great. That's eventually you will break through. Maybe the union just didn't have enough time to do so. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of questions there with whether Jim was bringing the subs in early enough. Um, I know he brought in uh, McGlynn, Brendan Aronson, 
not Bra- oh my god, I'm sorry, not Brandon Paxson Aronson and uh and Fontana. And it yeah. was all for defensive offensive switches. So Flock came out, Mabizo came out, and Martinez came out, which is three you don't typically see come out. Uh, no. but a lot of fans wanted to see them do that as soon as the, the third goal went through, which yeah. knowing Jim isn't going to happen. I'm actually surprised Fontana even got some minutes, minutes towards yeah. the end. Um, but the, the three, I think what, what, what was most frustrating with this team is that they actually played well against Minnesota oh, yeah. as a whole. I thought they played fine. The problem was the mental errors that they kept, they kept doing and the mental errors that we've seen now across the entire season. We saw it against Orlando, at Orlando. We saw it against Montreal to start the year. We saw it at the end of the Montreal game this past uh, weekend. These mental errors, or even the Chicago game and how they couldn't mark anybody in the box. These mental errors continue to plague this team. And you just, basically every match, you're just waiting for that moment. Is it going to be now? Is it going to be Is it going to be Kai? Is it going to be Mbaiza? Who's going to make that mental mistake? Yeah. The first mental mistake was from your best friend and your favorite player on this team, Jose Martinez. When he was outside of the box, dancing around. What did you think when Again, you saw? <laughs> it just goes back to the point that he's not a defensive holding midfielder. He's an eight. He's a he's a guy that is. Again, it's that just was more proof that so uh, Jose Martinez should be playing higher at the pitch. The fact that he's willing to take these risks, he's more casual on the edge of the box. But really, you'd rather have a player like Leon Flack who's going to get the ball and he's going to get rid of it straight away, or he's going to keep it simple. He's gonna. He's not gonna take the mic. He's not gonna take his time. He's gonna get the ball. He's gonna get rid of it. And I mean, it's just again, it's just baffling. Sort of the lack of urgency and the lack of spatial awareness of where you are on the pitch. You sort of you're on the edge of your box. As soon as he took that sort, because it was like two poor touches before he lost yeah. the ball. As soon yeah. as that first poor touch was done, he should just cleared it. I don't care if it's gone into a stand, if it's gone out for a corner, because you can deal with that. Well, can they can't I... score from a throw. They can't score from a corner. Just get out. I don't care where it goes. Let me ask you something real quick. So Andre Blake was noticeably injured, right? He wasn't taking any 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 free kicks or any uh, goal kicks. And I think he also did the same for his national team when he was banged up in that match. So I was watching the game on television. And uh, Danny, the, the commentator, was like, you know, why aren't – why is not Minnesota pressing against Blake? He's just rolling the ball out to Glessens or, or Jack Elliott. Or he's just, excuse me, he's just passing it short to them. Why aren't they being pressured? You never saw any sort of offensive pressure from Minnesota when Blake had the ball. They yeah. just kind of let him feed it in, and and so be it. Now, I'm going to also ask you a question about Leon. So the thing with Jose Martinez is that when he is under pressure, he is able to avoid having the ball taken away from him from, from the most part. He obviously gets too careless. My concern with Leon Flock is that if he is being pressured while he's closer to the net at the six, I don't feel confident he's going to be able to keep the ball away from anybody else. Like he may be able to pass it away quickly. I just don't think he can defend the ball from from an, an attacking player. Do you agree with that? I think the pressure you're thinking of, because I mean, like in, the, in those sort of uh, like instances, Sergio's no, Sergio Leon's going to get rid of the ball. He's, he's going to get rid of it, even if he's under pressure. He's going to pull it out for throwing. He's going to pull it up the pitch, which is probably what you should do if you're in those sort of situations or areas. Or again, you keep it simple and you pass it away. But that's what Jose doesn't do. I mean, seventy percent of what Jose does is luck. I mean, like if Jose lost half, I mean, obviously he's right. He's actually very good in the ball. But I mean, like the amount of risks he te- he does take on the edge, he does take on the edge of the box. Is just 
it's so high risk. I mean, obviously, mistakes are always going to bound to happen. And I think, again, it's frustrating that it happened on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and if you look through the course of the season when Jose has lost the ball in stupid areas, it's cost the union massive results. Obviously, against the Club America in the Champions League, when they're only 1 0 down, potentially they were sort of in control in the second half. They just kicked mm-hmm. the wind out of them. Obviously, in Minnesota. The game against NYCFC earlier in the yep. season where he lost the ball and then in reaction sort of like elbowed the guy in the head for no reason. And I mean, like Eric mentions here, please stop shooting from distance. <laughs> That's Honestly, true. And he I... also has one offensive turnover every single game because he just shoots it over the net. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I I, mean, I don't know why any of the other midfielders don't do that. And honestly, it, it sometimes doesn't actually anger me when he does do it when like. In, honestly, if he'd have done that on uh, Wednesday night when the union against ten men, and he had a pot shot. If it, I wouldn't have mind, I wouldn't have actually minded that because it looked like someone's actually trying to want to score. None of these union players actually get the ball from 20, 30 yards, apart from Klesner's, and it says, "Drop, fuck it, I'm gonna have a go. I'm gonna have a shot at goal." They don't. They they, they pussy foot around it. They go short. Sometimes you just need one of those players just to go screw it. I'm gonna have a go at goal, and I'm gonna see if this goalkeeper's ready to. Uh, make the save. I think what the problem is 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 his time. <coughs> like when they are building up an offensive attack, sometimes he just does it when it's not needed. So I think I think that's what the the the, the frustration is from a lot of fans. That if you do it once in a while, that's fine. But I think the fact that he does it once a match, even when it's not needed, that's that's and the problem is it's not even close. Like he's had one shot on net. Most of the shots go over the net. So yeah. if he was at least hitting the target every single time, I was like, okay, you know, he, I, he's at least getting it to the keeper's hands. He's sending that thing to the Delaware River every single time. So it, it's not like it's actually beneficial in that regard. Um, but, you know, if someone like Ali doesn't have the leg strength that, that I've seen recently to do this, Flock probably won't even hit the target. So really, besides Jamiro, you don't really have a midfielder who can no. shoot as, as accurately as I guess maybe a forward, because I wouldn't say Jose is accurate yeah. with his shot. Um, but again, it limits what the team can do in attack when they yes, can't when they can't shoot from distance. I mean, you see so many teams. I mean, teams as the union, even then, I mean, they might not get the shot on target. They might be an easy save, but it's just about testing the goalkeeper and seeing where they are and actually showing some intent. Because, I mean, if the union had done that against Minnesota in the last 10 minutes, and I don't know if... Um, Jack McGlynn took the ball from 30 yards and had a shot and it went wide or whatever I wouldn't have minded because I mean, no one else was having a shot obviously yeah. Kai had that pot shot with his right foot I didn't mind that obviously it got deflected and nothing came of it I didn't mind that someone was actually looking to score instead of dilly-dallying around the edge of the box trying to find the perfect area to cross the ball to one man in the box which is Shabirko. Um obviously looking at the second goal the Union conceded yeah Again, it was just a lack of complete awareness. I think it was a very similar, very similar one to Jose, where actually Jose almost lost the ball before uh, Baizo did. I don't know if you yes. realise that. Jose, yeah, Jose almost lost the ball. He passed them in Baizo, and then Baizo shoots it back. Both goals also, Glessens fell in some way. Because Glessens was relatively in position on the first goal. He slips, the ball goes through. The second, the yeah. same thing happened. I think he gets kind of caught off guard when Baizo kind of just taps it back to him. He yeah. slips, and then the whole freaking thing opens up for uh, for Minnesota. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, um, it's just, again, it was such a frustrating goal, and I think 
I don't know whether Baizo thought he had plenty of time because he saw, um, what's his name? Because he saw Jose, you know, play with such a lack of urgency when he made the pass, which, I mean, could have easily been intercepted. But, I mean, like, it was just such a, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, it was so, like, lackadaisical. It was just so, such a poor pass. And sort of the lack of awareness, again, just, uh, you know, just to stand there and just, she, Obviously, Glasner, so I'm not going to moan about Glasner's falling over because people fall over. People slip all the time. They said it was raining the entire night, which doesn't help his goals. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, is it just bad luck that these two goals happen in that regard? Sure. But I think both of these instances were caused by a stupid mistake. So you won't, you don't. You almost create your own luck in that sense. Glasner would not have fallen if the people before him had made a better decision. Yeah. And then, and the same can be said for the third time. Actually, Glessens is involved in the third goal as well. So Kai gets brought down the box. Glessens is running towards the ball. And then Kai pokes it towards Glessens when he wasn't expecting. And you can see the ball shoot past him. It's yeah. just it's just careless. It's it's yeah. it's another moment where Glessens is in position to make the play or at least be close to the play. And his his teammate does something that then causes this huge chain of effects. And Andre Blake actually saved the uh Save the first shot on that, but then it goes to the other side of the post, and and the yeah. guys left unmarked, and Mbappe was standing like five yards behind him, doing whatever he was doing. Um, and we've never seen this many mental lapses in a game. That's what I think was most bother bothersome to me is that we've never seen it this consistent over ninety minutes. Once every ninety minutes, yeah, we kind of have gotten used to that, but not this many times. No, and again, it was just so frustrating. I mean, obviously. I think the third goal, obviously, was probably, I think, I don't think it was the most frustrating. I think it was more of a, you're watching the game, it's sort of like, that's the sort of night it's been all night. It's just that sort yeah. of luck is what's happened. And obviously, um, it's just, uh, I mean, obviously, it's just a lack of communication between the two. If Kai goes, my ball, Jakob doesn't have to go towards the ball because no, neither of them make the call. They yeah. both feel inclined to get to the ball just to, to avoid, you know, um, you know, just in case both of them leave or whatever, and they've both obviously gone for the same ball. And I think, obviously, having played the game before, it happens. I mean, those sort of things happen. It's fine. But again, that the sort of lack of awareness from two players that you'd think in the sort of areas of the pitch that they are, and bear in mind, they were both surrounded by players. To have that sort of lack of awareness and urgency is so frustrating. And then to see it, especially from Martin, Jose Martinez, consistently around those sort of areas of the pitch is so frustrating. And I don't know, I don't know, obviously, Jim, as obviously uh, his national team coach, Venezuela, uses him as a more wide player. because He's Jose, a wide player, yeah. Yeah, because Jose can run with the ball, he can make runs across the pitch. And, you know, he can do, pl- he can do plenty of things. He can run across the pitch. He can obviously beat a man. I don't know why Jim doesn't move him higher up the pitch because he's, Obviously, we know Jose's a liability at times. He's a very risky player. The higher he is at the pitch, the less likely his mistake or him losing the ball is going to cost you. And I think maybe that should be something looking forward. I know I know Leon Flark's not the most talented or gifted player in terms of... Uh, yeah, that. I'd say so. I don't know if you saw one of his early crosses in the, in the beginning of the match. He was going on the left side of the field. And I think Casper was the one who was kind of going to the inside of the box. And, and his cross just goes right to Tyler Miller in the goal. Yeah. Like there's no – it's almost like he doesn't know what to do, so he just kind of 
shoots it in there and, and hopes that it finds somebody. There never seems to be any direction to his shot. Like, okay, I can see yeah. where he was trying to go with it. It just seems like he's just trying to get in there and see what happens. And that's, yeah. again, why I was kind of happy to see McGlynn come in when he did. Because McGlynn came in for Flock, which put McGlynn on the left side of the diamond, which I was fine with because it gave you that um, it Play gave you that playmaker that you were missing on that side of the field. Um, but in, in, I guess in terms of playmaker, we're kind of segue off to that with uh, Daniel Gazdak. So Daniel had his best match as a Philadelphia Union player, hands yeah. down. Um, I would say the previous match, he, he looked solid, but this is the one match you kind of had a feeling that something was going to finally happen, click for him, and it did. The first goal where, uh, you know, they, the Union give up the first goal, they come right down the field maybe three minutes later, whatever it was. Jameer settles the ball perfectly in the box, finds Daniel, who was about maybe 20-some yards out, and he just puts a, a perfect – it wasn't a hard shot, just a perfectly placed ball right over Tyler Miller, and boom, it's tied 1-1. Um, yeah. How how was your reaction once you saw that that moment go through? I mean, also, I mean, I was obviously I was delighted with the, sort of the way the move had ended. Obviously, it was a good good for the union to win the ball high up the pitch, and then great awareness from Jamiro to quickly lay off the Gazdag, and again, good awareness from him to notice that he had he sort of was in the position where he could try and curl it first time towards the top corner. It was perfect execution and a great finish. And obviously, that is the talent, and that is what we know Daniel has. And I think I think it was you that covered his press conference after the game, yeah. which said, uh, where he said sort of like the Hungarian leagues are a lot less... Um, the speed turns. of the game. Yeah. The speed of the game and the quality mm-hmm. of the game is considerably less in comparison to the MLS. Yes. Um, so I think obviously he's, had, he's needed time to adjust. I think he's probably one of those... Obviously, we ex- that he came with a high expectation, but I think he's probably one of those more... Um, perhaps he is one of Ernest Tanner's sort of like project players where you know they're going to take time to grow, they're going to adjust to the league and things like that, and they're going to grow into a sort of player the Union want. Maybe he ends up being one of those players, but I know uh, yeah, I mean, the price tag and the hype has obviously accelerated that and people have wanted to see an all-star player out of him from the off. And that's, really and, he's not. And he's also played a lot of soccer so far this year. Yeah. It's not like he's completely fresh. He's already played previously in the Hungarian League that comes here has to learn the language better, has to, has to learn the system, has to learn the speed of the game, as he mentioned. So hearing what he, hearing that from him does give me some more patience with Daniel. Like, yeah. Okay, maybe there's more to this than we're seeing. Maybe it's just him not playing well enough. Maybe he does need to learn uh, to, to keep up to the pace of like that. So it, it was good It was good in that regard to hear that, and it, it made me feel confident moving forward that maybe he's finally found his, his – um, found his place on this roster. And we've, we've talked yeah. about this in previous episodes. Where does he fit in? In what formation does he fit in? I thought in this particular formation, you know, obviously it worked out for him. Um, yeah. And and the second goal was was a bit fluky. And they were talking, talking about fluke goals and, and weird instances. So what people aren't going to remember as much about Daniel Gazdag's second goal is what led up to that goal. So Jack Elliott is going down the field. He's probably about 35, 40 yards out. He sees Miller's off his line about five or six yards. And he just kind of does a, 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 a you know, a soft, high-flying shot towards the net. Yeah. For whatever reason, Miller doesn't read it properly, and he has to push out of bounds for a corner kick. The ball wasn't going into the goal. It was probably about three yards yeah. to the left of the goal. But it's that mental lapse from Miller that allows the corner kick to occur. 
the corner kick is perfectly placed off um, Bedoy's head. And then Daniel Gaz has Daniel Gazdag has the easiest goal he'll ever score in his entire yeah, yeah, life. He's literally <laughs> he's done well to obviously beat the offside trap and be on the line after Bedoy's obviously headed the ball to you know just to literally pop in. I mean, again, it was like a real poacher sort of goal, really, where yeah. you're there in the right place at the right time. And obviously, I think that's again that could potentially help the union in the future if they are short in attack. They can potentially. So trust Daniel to be alongside Kasper Jabirko, alongside Sergio Santos if they need him to be. If you can continue to share that sort of like that killer and poaching instinct instinct. But again, I think it was huge for him to you know, be I don't know, just to get those goals. I mean, it's the confidence. The confidence, for him, yeah. Just to get those goals. It's almost a relief for him because the first goal he had of the season was a penalty kick. Yeah. So it doesn't have the same the same um, confidence building feel to it because you were just placed there and you were given the opportunity rather than you earning the opportunity, which is why I was very happy that um that the first goal was as impressive and as difficult as it as it was because it was, yeah. if if he he only scored one goal that whole night and it was that little tap in with his head, I would not feel like he had the same confidence as he does now with that yeah. first goal being so well played. And he even said he, he, he they worked on it in training as well in the press That's conference. Here, yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm working on it. I'm building up to it. The moment came up to me. I took advantage of it. And it's almost as if everything finally fell into place <laughs> for that one moment. So that, as a fan, gives me a lot of hope, especially with Sergio Santos being so-so, especially with Corey Burke being out for the foreseeable future. It That's huge. They need Daniel to be – if not a goal scorer, a playmaker. And if he's finally caught up to speed, that's massive. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, obviously, it depends on the sort of lineup that the Union have in terms of, um, sort of like, in terms of the players around them, obviously. Because if he's, obviously, I think, obviously, if he's got a player like Jimmy Montero next to him and then he's got Casper just in front and he's got players he can feed off, he can feed the ball to. Whereas, you know, if we've seen it beforehand where he's had to play up front as a striker again, well, he's going to be limited with the players around him and limited in space and time he has to get on the ball. And sometimes we've seen Casper up front and Corey Burke and there's a lack of pace and, you know, for him to you know, to slip these these little balls in behind the defence and to, do you know what I mean? I think when there's more technically gifted footballers around him and there's more pace around him, that's where we see him at his best. We saw him at his best against Toronto, obviously, when... Sergio, Sergio was awesome. He got in behind a few times, and yep. Gazdag was able to take advantage of their lack of pace and obviously the lack of pace in attack to you know put balls through and behind the defense. I think that's where he will shine the most is when he's got more players around him to help him feed off the ball and you know help him create more space for himself because then there'll be attention paid to players like Jermaine Montero, Casper Jaberko, Corey Burke. Sergio Santos, those sort of players will then garner and attach more attention, thus allowing him to drift off into these pockets of space on his own to to create essentially. But I think that, that will be a huge that will be huge going forward if the union can continue to execute him like continue to execute like him and positionally and sort of in terms of the game plan as they did against Minnesota. So hopefully they can do it again against again a similar team to how they play in terms of Minnesota against Nashville, who who are again? They're quite. They're a solid team. They like. They want to sit back. They want to. They don't want to lose any points. They don't want to lose. They don't want to concede goals. So again, there will be pockets of space around the box for hopefully for Daniel to get on the ball, to find little spaces for Casper, 
whether it's Kai Wagner to get into, or even just to have a shot himself. I think I'd quite like to see him have a go at goal at some point in the future in a similar fashion to Jose Martinez, even if it just go 20, 20 yards over the bar. Now, you know, we'll, we'll segue now to the Nashville preview. One of the biggest uh, concerns of the season was a Nashville game earlier this year. We oh, saw gotcha. what happened, and it went. It, it goes right back to mental lapse. The The Union went to Nashville, was it in May or June, I believe it was? I can't remember right now what, what month it might have been. It might have been in July. I lost track at this point. But they go into Nashville, very difficult place to play, as we've seen so far this year. And within the first two minutes, C.J. Sapong, the infamous Union forward sneaks in behind the defensive backs and Good puts season. one in. And I, we said this after the Nashville game. I thought he could have had three goals that night. Yeah. So this, the big concern now is, you know, yes, they're missing one of their key pieces uh, because of the yellow Mokhtar, card accumulation, yeah. Mokhtar. But you still have a dangerous squad, especially with CJ coming back to Philly, which you know he's going to yeah. get uh, both round of applause, some maybe some boos here or there, but. You have to worry about his 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 scoring ability, especially in, in a big moment like this, because wouldn't that just be the most fitting union thing ever? Is that you have a chance to to take second place and CJ Sapong, yeah, a former union player, buries you. Um, what are you looking for the most in terms of this match compared to what we saw a couple months ago against Nashville? Um, I don't really know. I mean, obviously, I think again, I th- the uh, I think the urgency of the team and the way that they've Yep. Really step their game up in after you know after being knocked out the Concacaf uh, Champions League. I think I lit a fire in them because they knew yep. that they weren't playing well. They were struggling. I think now that they sort of saw their season, what's the word, sort of essentially on the line. Now I think that might have been the wake up call. Okay, the honeymoon period's over. We we haven't just got the Champions League to rely uh, to you know fall back onto now. We're outside the playoffs. We haven't won a game in X amount of time. We've yeah. been poor. I think Jim's probably drilled that into the team as well and said like you guys really need to step up here. And so one thing I'll stop you right there real quick. So if I'm looking back on this match, so it was in July. Uh, is yeah, it was yeah. a it was a one zero final score. CJ Sapong scored in the second minute. Again, I think it could have been easily two nothing, three nothing. The lineup in this particular evening was a bit different than what we're used to. And if you remember correctly as well, and Daniel was asked this afterwards at the press conference, Daniel was playing uh, at the eight on the left side next to uh, Flock. So it was the usual back four. It was Gazdag, Flock, Bedoya, Montero, Casper, uh, and Burke. So you have one player that is not going to be there that was there last time in, in Burke. I guess Martinez was on suspension or maybe international duty. I'm not sure where he was at this particular match. Um, oh no, he came off. The, he came off the bench, Jose Martinez. So you, you're not going into Nashville with the same formation you had previously, and obviously Gazdag isn't meant to be an eight. So you know he's not going to be in that position. So you're really going to be going into this game with a different formation and a different lineup than you played with them the first time. So that gives me some that gives me some hope, some promise. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to see a carbon copy of what I've already seen. And additionally, uh, like I said, Mokhtar is uh, going to be missing this match. And he's, you know, he, he's, he's up top usually right behind CJ. So think about from their standpoint, one of their playmakers is gone. And now our formation is different. So knowing what you know now off the, the facts I just laid out, does that give you more confidence for them hosting national? Um, 
And obviously, it makes Nashville less threat to Matar out. He's such a very, he's such a talented player. And as we can do, he's obviously been their key man this year, and I think he's been their key man for the last couple of years in terms of uh, not just goal scoring, but you know, just creating chances and using his pace to full effect of you know hurting teams. He scored fourteen goals in the league this year already, and I mean heading towards the playoffs because I mean they are going to have two or three games in the playoffs. It's not, yeah, it's not sugarcoat things. And you know it's going to be a huge, huge. Um, Wait, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. So you know how typically with ESPN or they have the the last five, the the form of the team for the last five matches. The last five matches, Nashville has drawn, has tied each match in the last five matches. They have not won. Uh, yeah. and it looks like six matches. They they won one versus Columbus, zeros against Nashville and NYCFC, two two against Orlando. Zeros against Nashville, and then they, they beat Miami. The last win they had was September 22nd. They haven't won a game in a month. Yeah. That's, that For me, that's kind of shocking. Now the whole – them being within reach of second place makes a lot more sense, and I didn't even realize yeah. that until just now. They have won two games since September 11th. That was 1-0 against Nashville. That was – Montreal, five, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Against Montreal. Against Montreal. And it was 5-1 against Miami. They lost to Toronto in Toronto. Since then, like I said, Chicago, Orlando, NYCFC, DC United, and Nash and uh, Columbus. They have they've they've um, they drew for each of those matches. What's more alarming for them is that they've only scored one goal in the last three matches. That was against yeah. Columbus this past this past weekend, and they were down at, at, as well. Columbus had scored in the 75th minute, and then the guy who we've been talking about already, Hani Mokhtar, scored in the 77th minute. Yeah. So you're missing now. You're missing your the one player who scored for you in the last three matches. It's going to put a lot of pressure on everyone else to step up and it is re- replace what he obviously brings. Again, it's not just the goals; it's the it's the chances he makes. Sort of the fact how quick and pacey and skillful he is, it puts defenders on high alert. It makes teams sit back so they don't get caught by him on the counter attack. And so again, I think that obviously will it might allow the union to pr- perhaps be a bit more free in the way they attack the game, knowing that they probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, won't be counted on as of, um, against a player that obviously is very talented and has the ability to take the ball like deep up the pit, deep in, deep in his own half and stretch the game and things like that. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge thing for the Union. And obviously, again, they're going to, hopefully the Union as well, going to be at full strength. Maybe even, obviously, even if Sergio Santos isn't in the team, in terms of the starting eleven, he might come off the bench, add a bit of pace if they need a goal, if they need to close the game out. Um, but I think there's one thing that we can all agree is all agree upon, and we all know what's going to happen. Yeah, and that is Davo will not be taking. Davo's not his, playing. He's Davo be on will not the be bench. taking off his subs. Yeah, substitute stuff. He's not even going to play. He he's going to jog around on the on the sideline. He's not going to play because why would he? Obviously, he's not doing something right because. Even Fontana saw the field over Davo, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with him. I think I think what the writing on the wall shows that something's going on at training to not bring him on. It's, if you're missing two of your forwards and your transfer forwards still can't see the field, that's a bigger problem, and that goes that goes back to Tanner. It does. It ultimately yeah. goes to him. Exactly. I think it's a weird. Obviously, that's a frustrating transfer, and obviously, clearly, he's not good enough to feature in the team. He hasn't shown enough to actually, you know, break into the team. And I 
no disrespect to the player himself, but I mean, it's not as if he's been prolific in Brazil either. It's not like he's been playing loads and loads of games in Brazil. Joined Corinthians, he's only played seven times. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's, he's still a young player, so evidently Jim has a weird one. Obviously, I think he's coming at the wrong time of the season where at this point you need experienced players yeah. and players that are natural goal scorers, you know, are going to score goals for you. As opposed to, you know, bringing the guy from the second division of Brazil, which is nowhere near the level of the MLS. No disrespect and, to it. And you think, too, you see guys that improving week by week. So it's just one more person he has to hurdle to see the field. Yeah. And then Paxson has been coming into his own as well. Um, from from wait, from a gambling perspective, the numbers that we have here, uh, Philadelphia at home plus 100. The draw is plus 230 and Nashville is at plus 240. So – the the union, of course, as a home team, are, are favored to, to win this. But the goal scorers this week, who do you think would be the uh, goal scorer for the union this week? I think Casper will get in on the act. I think with how hard, I mean, he has, he didn't score against Minnesota, and I don't think he scored again. He didn't score against Orlando. Didn't uh, score in the... No, he didn't score. No, London. No, what was the match for? You mean Montreal? Who am I thinking of? Montreal. Montreal. Right. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't yeah. score against Montreal. I said Orlando. He didn't score against yeah. Montreal. He's gone a little cold. He, he obviously scored against Cincinnati. But I think, again, people just need to look at how hard he's worked. Yeah. In terms, even against Columbus, how hard he's working for the team and how, how much he's running for the cause and how... Like he's doing so much for this team right now, and it sort of goes under the radar. Like when he does get on the ball in good positions at the pitch, he doesn't lose the ball. He his silky footwork allows him to maneuver in and out of tight positions. You know, spread the game around and things like that. So again, he deserves so much credit for how on his for well, not just his goal scoring, but for the entire for the work he's putting into the team. And obviously, Jim actually spoke about his Casper's uh, fit, fitness this season and how hard he has worked and. Yeah. For the team and the cause, and just non stop running. In fact, he's still able to play at this point in the season. Um, and to be playing 110% still was absolutely massive from the union's men's striker. I think Jim Curtin was and, massively uh, high of uh, full of praise for him. And, and his health, think of his health as well. Casper yeah. has not been hurt from knock, you know, knock on wood from, I don't think maybe one match. He might've gotten a little banged up and Eric brings a point, a good point. You know, it's concerning because Ernest has had that magical, uh, you know, I guess, you know, solution to bringing in players. We see with Kai Wagner, you can argue Casper yeah. and all, you know, et cetera. These players have been brought in with the last couple of years who have really made a huge contribution. Now you have really only Gazdag as being this season's, you know, absolute, you know, well, maybe not Gaz. I would say Flock rather. Flock being the, the player who's made the most impact. Gaz, Gaz like now yeah. becoming now kind of hopefully living up to that expectation. But you know, and, and when you go back to Casper and for the anytime goal scorer on FanDuel, he's at plus one sixty. So he's he's the favorite to score in this match. So for some reason, and I cannot explain this, Corey Burke is at plus two seventy. And he's the second. Yeah. He's the third highest Union player over Quinn Sullivan, and Anthony Fontana and El Cino are also above Paxton Aronson, and from from any time goal scorer. For so some somehow El Cino made the cut into this uh, into this gambling world, and yeah. even Aurelio Collin is at plus eight fifty. Um, really? So, yes. Right, so, he's he's gonna get his moment, don't worry. 
Aurelio Collins at plus 850, while Leon Flock is at plus 1,000 to score a goal. So if, you ha- if you're a betting person, obviously Collins is due for a goal. <laughs> He's due for he's due for more than a minute. Obviously, I mean that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. But anyway, crazy. we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show in a second with. Uh, oh wait, here we go. Eric says, "I'm putting my money on Ray Gaddis coming out of retirement and finally scoring." <laughs> the joke is, if if Ray Gaddis scores, we riot. And I was telling someone on Twitter, if Jose Martinez scores a banger, we riot because I'm just waiting for that moment to finally happen. <laughs> um, but anyway, before oh, sorry, before we um. Before we sign off, what's the final prediction for the score for you for Nashville? Uh, I'm going to go confident. I'm going to go positive. I'm going to say 2 0 Union. 2 Casper. Casper and. Yeah, Casper will get both goals. Casper's going to have a brace. Yeah. And it's going to be a Union 2 nothing victory to put us in second place. Okay. I am going to be. You know what, Dave? I'm going to one up you here. I'm going to say 3 nothing Union. <sighs> I'm going big today. I'm going. I have a good feeling. After I saw what I saw on those <laughs> stats, I feel very confident now. I'm going to go three nothing Union. I think it's going to be a, just a blowout win. And I'm going to say Jack Elliott is going to score one of those goals. Jack Elliott on the score sheet. I like it. Jack Elliott. I just score. Don't know, I've got a good feeling about this game. I, mean, <laughs> I got a perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we shouldn't. I mean, perhaps we shouldn't because uh, their their recent performance against Nashville. But I mean, I've just got a very good feeling they might actually come away with a very good result here. Uh, I do too. And go ahead, go ahead. So Casper Berko just scored the first goal and Union to win 2-0. 25 to 1. Oh, there you go. Don't tempt me, Dave. You know how I am with my gambling. Um, uh, Eric says, (laughs) Curtin gets a team up to 3-1. to If they play that the last couple games, 1-1 draw. Yeah, I agree. Um, And, and, you know, I think one of the things we had to look at and give Curtin some credit for, Curtin has got a lot of heat this year. Before we get to the sponsors, we should say they lose to Club America. They come back and they beat – it was NYC. You come, you begin this this epic run that we've been on, this huge unbeaten streak. Every time this team has gone down, you can say Atlanta United. You can say Chicago Fire. Anytime this team has had their back against the wall, they have rose to the occasion to put a performance together. So yeah. – I, f- I feel confident that this team will do that again. But hopefully, yeah. Uh, without further ado, let's get to a sponsors. Dave, I'll, I'll take the lead here. I have them in front of me anyway. First up, we have our our number one sponsor right here, Manscaped. Get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code AATBirdsandManscaped.com. Great supply, including the lawnmower 4.0 and Manscaped.com. Next up, we have. Odds Jam, the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits, the arbitrage calculator, and more, so that way you can never lose a bet again. Sign up today at oddsjam.com via AAT Birds. Next up is a pretty cool one, another free one as well. Check out Statement Games for a fun new way to fantasy sports entertainment. You can win gift cards and prizes, and as I mentioned, it is free. I did already. It's pretty cool. A uh, new way, I think it, the whole premise is that you have like 10 statements that you have to select being accurate for the game. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 really a unique way to kind of uh, – almost like a prop bet. Can you think of it that yeah. way? Uh, next up is Lotterain Watch is our newest sponsor. Lotterain, uh, Lotterain.com. Use code AATBIRDS for 10% off at checkout. Link right there below. Very nice selection of watches. Christmas is two months away. I already know Dave is going to give me a watch. So, yeah. you know, cats out <laughs> of the bag there. And then lastly, uh, across the pitch and all the network gear, Burning Bridges, Chips and Dish, The Wednesday Show, my new show, dropping tomorrow, 
Barrera's Bucket. Well, Bears no, it's buckets. not Drop of the Mora. It's been three episodes of Barrera's Bucket. But then tomorrow's episode is uh, I interviewed um, Tristan Freeman from Fansided's buck, uh, Busting Bracket. So a very big guest. We killed it. Talk about Pittsburgh Pan- uh, Panthers basketball. So check that out. Tomorrow like it. it's dropping. And then uh, that's about it. Dave? I like it. Dupe? Dupe, go night, uni and go Dupe. sixes. That's right.